Well, good morning. Just a moment, we're going to jump into our sermon, but I just want to echo that question one more time. Uh, today we're talking about community, and I'll unpack that more for us in a few minutes here. But each of us have a community. Each of us have people in our communities, however we define that, where there, there is somebody who maybe even God has placed their name upon your heart these past few weeks that you could invite to come to Alpha. And I want to suggest to you that if that name has been placed upon your heart, there's a reason. The reason could be is that God wants to use you to do something in that person's life. The reason could be that God is already moving and stirring in their life in a way that you don't know and that you are just another piece of the puzzle of his calling to them. And so I just want to encourage you again to consider who could you invite to come to Alpha? And whatever that name is, just even right now in this moment, and I'm going to pray in just a brief prayer in just one second here, but even just in this moment right now, to, to commit to that name in the next couple of days, to take that step, to take that step, to risk, to step forward, and simply ask the question, would you like to come to Alpha? Now, they may not know what Alpha is, but hey, that's the conversation starter. <laughs> that's, that's where it starts, and that's where it goes. And we want to uh, ask you to join us in helping to share the good news of Jesus and help people to experience new life with Jesus through this important class. So let me just pray for a moment about that, because next week is when this all happens. Heavenly Father, you use us to reach into people's lives. You use us to be ambassadors, to be instruments and vessels of your truth and your love. And I pray, Lord, that those that you've brought us into contact in the past, there, there, there may have been a purpose then that leads to this moment now when we can truly invite. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to even know all the questions. We simply can ask the one, would you like to come to Alpha? I pray, Lord, that the names that you're impressing upon, the, on, upon your people right now on site and online would lead to a fruitful ministry this coming winter season, and that we would give all praise and glory to you for the work that you will do in the lives of us and those that you lead us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Last week, if you're with us online or on site, you know that we started a new sermon series called Rhythms of Life. And what we're doing is we're looking at these God-designed patterns of living. These ways that we know when we're out of sync with them, they have a negative impact upon us in terms of body, mind, and spirit. But when we're in tune with them, it brings this sense of order and rhythm and stability and even replenishment to our lives. Now, last week, we started by talking about the rhythm of listening to God. And, and I talked about how God wants to speak to you. And, and sometimes we just have to start by believing that statement, that it is true, that God wants to speak to us. And there's various ways that he does this. But one of the primary ways that we can immediately, regularly meet with him in a rhythm of listening is through opening the word of God and having what we refer to as our, our space and our place where we meet with God. And not only hearing what he has to say, but then going forward and doing what we hear him saying. If you missed that last week, or if you want to watch that again, you can simply go to westmeadows.org. That's always available for you there on demand. But I'm kind of curious. It's the start of the new year, and, and I just spoke on this. So, so how many people started a Bible reading plan last week? Did anybody open their Bible last week? This is great. Good. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I truly true that is a blessing for you. If you're online, I can't see your hand raised, but you can type in the chat maybe what the subject is or, or what type of reading plan you're doing to encourage each other that way as well. 
If you're still looking for some direction on that, uh, you can go to the Pew Portal. Remember, the Pew Portal has sermon notes, and included in there each week is a Bible reading plan that you can use. Or simply come talk to one of the staff. We would love to help you with that. Well, today we're going to talk about another rhythm. We're going to talk about the rhythm of community. Now, the way that we define community and the way that we experience community, the the way that we have a level of need for community is going to be unique to each person here. Okay. Now, the person that you're sitting beside may have a different definition of community, a different level of need for community, because we're all from different social contexts, we all have different backgrounds, we have different personality traits, and all these things affect how we understand and choose to interact in community. For example, if you grew up in a small town, you're probably familiar with the concept that in a small town, that community is aware of everybody and everything about everyone, right? And if you're a mom, you love that. If you're a teenager, not not so much. It's hard to get away with things. If you're in a big city, though, it's different. In a bigger city, your community is reduced down to your spheres of influence. There's your family, there's your work, school, church, your, your neighborhood in a limited fashion sometimes. It's, it's down to these spheres of influence. There's generational differences. Millennials, for example, are much, much more comfortable with this idea of online community and, and see that as a very genuine and true form of community. In fact, that's how they interact and sometimes how they even do primarily do dating nowadays. Did you know that in the Western world, there are over 1,400 dating apps to choose from? 1,400 dating apps, some more successful than others, but there are so many options of online dating community, and an average single millennial has three active accounts out of those at any given time. Now, there's others like the boomers and the builders among us who who are, are, how can you date online? How would that work? My community is defined by people that I can see, people that I can talk to, people I can go to Tim Hortons and have a coffee with, right? A double-double, and if we're going to get a little wild, some Tim Beebs on the side. That's, that's community, right? Personality affects this as well. Personality. Where are my extroverts? None. They're at home. There you go. I got a couple. Extroverts. You get energy from being around people. I, I, I expected there would be a number of extroverts here with us today because they would want to come to be around people. They get energy from people. Introverts. I'm not even going to ask where my introverts are because you won't raise your hand. You, <laughs> you get drained from being around people. And you are happy with fewer people around you. But, but all that being said, our backgrounds, our personalities help us to understand how we define community and our levels of need for community. But regardless of all that, here's the truth. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. And when we find ourselves in healthy community, however you might define that, it provides you with support and belonging with a sense of encouragement to meet the needs of life that you're going through. This is one of the challenges that all of us have experienced during the pandemic, is we've been told and had to be careful by by following the guidelines of limiting the number of people we meet with, limiting the number and the size of gatherings that we're involved in. And we all know the negative impact that this has upon community for all of us, especially for our youth and for our kids. You know, a few years ago, before the pandemic, I was able to witness the impact that pulling a youth out of community has. When uh, Going back a number of years ago, when my son Sam was 14, he suffered a very serious concussion. 
and for three months. He wasn't allowed to play hockey, video games, watch TV, read books, be around any bright lights, anything, which means there was no school, there was no recreation, there was no youth group, there was no friends, there was nothing. And over these three months, Nadine and I watched him kind of change and slide into this state of depression, into this sense of hopelessness that to some extent has shaped him into the person that he is today still. And it reached a point where we could watch his physical injury heal so well, but his heart and his spirit were still broken because he had been removed from all of these communities that were so important to him. And, and, I, and I couldn't just watch him anymore. I, I couldn't just watch my son slip further into this state of depression and hopelessness, and, and, and I just broke. There's this one weekend in particular that the church I was serving at had a youth conference going on called Ignite, and I, I said, Sam, we're going to Ignite. I'm taking you to go to Ignite. And I'll never forget when we walked through the church doors. I opened the doors and he went into the foyer. And across the foyer he saw his friends that he had not interacted with for months. And he ran across the foyer. He let out a cheer, jumped on the back of his friend. And I, I'll, I'll never forget the difference from the sadness to the incredible joy and energy of simply being in community. You see, the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. We were created for these rhythms of community with God and with one another that provide a sense of rest and strength and encouragement and belonging to us. And that's especially true when we go through these seasons of life when we have needs. If you're going through a difficult time right now, especially during, uh, during the pandemic when we have to be careful about our interactions, it's especially difficult. And it's especially challenging during those moments. Because not only do you have a load to bear, not only do you have a burden to carry, but now you have to do it alone. And most, if not all of us, probably have some form of experience with that over the past little while. It might look different for each of us, but we've all had difficult situations that we've had limited support groups around us for. I have a friend they used to pastor with, and his family moved down to Belize a few years back where they started doing some foster parenting down there. Well, one of their daughters recently was diagnosed with cancer, and they had to rush back to Edmonton to start getting treatment. And and been following this on Facebook or not, and she's doing very, very well, and they're celebrating the victories with the, within her body and the health within her body, but they're still separated. They were separated for the whole treatment so far. They've been separated during the holidays. If they're still trying to get part of the family permission to leave to come here. And they're grieving this absence of family amidst the celebration of health that's coming back. And during this time, what they're doing is they're finding comfort in their faith. They're finding comfort in a church community that they've been able to plug into while they've returned here. You know, and, and they've done that because they have the faith background, but that's not unique. You know, it's, it's common when people lack social connection, when they lack these inner resources to reach for something beyond themselves, outside of themselves, even into sort of a, a spiritual pursuit. You know, in North America during the pandemic, they've tracked that there has been a 30% increase in people seeking strength or trying to establish religious faith. A 30% increase, and they think part of this is tied to the fact that we have increased burdens and needs with decreased social supports that are happening. 30% increase. Now, within that statistic, it includes all religious expressions, which is important to note, but here's what also they're finding, is that many people are not finding the rest and the security that they're looking for. Even though there's a 30% increase in the pursuit of those things, they're not finding what they're looking for. 
And the reason is, is because they find that a lot of religions that they look into adds rules, adds ceremony, adds you need to do more, you need to be better. And so not only do they have this burden to carry, but there's sort of this piling on of additional responsibilities and additional needs that happen, and it already fatigues an already tired and weary soul. When we come to Matthew 11, Jesus has an invitation to those people. Jesus has an invitation for people to come into community with him. Not to come and join a religion, but to come and join in a relationship with him. And we read this in Matthew chapter 11, where in this familiar passage, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you more rules. No. I'll give you more things that you have to do to make yourself better. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and you'll learn from me. For I'm gentle and I'm humble at heart and and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You weary? You feel like you have this burden to carry and you have to carry it on your own and you just want to find some rest. Well, if you find yourself there, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Let me relieve you of the weight that you are never meant to carry alone. You know, if you were uh, to wander the rural roads of India, you would occasionally come across a a post with a a shelf about shoulder height. And the design of this, these are called somatongas. And the idea of these is that they're called, they're, they're resting places where people travel on foot and they come across a somatonga and they have this opportunity to take whatever heavy load They have across their back, across their shoulder, and to just place it on the shelf for a time and gain some relief. And then once they've rested, they can can take their load and, and continue on their journey. And you can see from this example why many people in India refer to Jesus as my somatonga. Because Jesus invites us to share his yoke with him. Now, it's still a yoke. It still includes some effort. We can't just just take our our baggage and offload and go, there you go, Jesus. It's all yours. It's a yoke that we share. We still have responsibility, and we still have some effort to put into it, but it's not burdensome. You see, because when when we do this, we enter in this partnership where the creator and the created come and they walk together. And they can follow the lead of the creator. They can allow him to direct their steps. They can allow him to do the heavy lifting. They can gently hear Jesus remind them, you were never meant to carry this burden beyond the cross. And so bring it to me at the cross and lay it down. And let us go forward and walk together. As you hear those words of Jesus, maybe there's something inside your heart, a voice that's calling to you that wants to invite you into community with Jesus that wants you to accept the reality of Jesus' love and his presence for you, to remind you that you don't have to do this alone. Maybe you hear that voice and it's calling you to believe in me, place your trust in me, cast aside the doubts, cast aside the sin, allow me to order your steps, confess that you do not have to strive on your own any longer, take off your heavy yoke and share mine. See, in this beautiful passage, Jesus calls us to experience what we can understand as these unforced rhythms of grace. These unforced rhythms of grace as we walk in relationship with him.
as we walk with him, live with him, learn from him, and grow in rest and freedom in him, our Soma Tonga. See, the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. We were created for some of these rhythms of life, and it starts with this rhythm of community with Jesus. A community that brings rest and strength and encouragement and belonging. But that rhythm continues and it builds. We see in Scripture that that is the starting point, but it continues and it builds into a community with Jesus. And then Paul actually in Galatians talks about this beautifully, where he references this very thing and then he builds upon it by talking about how it brings us into community with others. And if you want to follow along, we're looking at a passage out of Galatians 6. If you want to open your Bibles to Galatians 6, we'll look at a few verses there. If you want to use a pew Bible, you can find it on page 946. And, and as you're finding that, I'll just give you a bit of the background to what's happening here in, in Galatians chapter 6. See, Paul has been explaining God's design for these rhythms of life in Galatians 5. <laughs> and there he begins in Galatians 5, verse 1, by saying, For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not again be burdened by the yoke. He talks about this yoke of slavery. Well, it's what we just talked about in, from Matthew chapter 11, this, this yoke that we are to be free from, this yoke that we're to cast off, as Jesus invites us to cast off this yoke, this heavy weight of, of isolation and of striving and this heavy yoke of sin. And then he goes on in Galatians 5, Paul goes on to talk about how when we do this, when we, when we then live in partnership with him, as we then come under his authority and under his teaching and under his will, walking in relationship with Jesus, Paul then goes on to refer to this as living by the Spirit. And he says throughout the remainder of chapter 5, he says, walk by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Live your life, all parts of your life, in line with the Spirit of God. And that's the goal, right? When we talk about this rhythm, it's this ongoing pattern, this ongoing rhythm of, of walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit. That's what that, that old song, that classic song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. That's the goal, right? Except if you're like me, I do turn back at times. There are moments when I do glance backwards. There are moments when I, when I do... Think about those old rhythms. When I remember the burden, and sometimes I remember the yoke a little more fondly than I should. There are times when I do look back. Especially when I get stressed. Especially when I'm feeling weak, perhaps. Especially when I'm carrying the burdens of life that weigh me down. And then I start to get weary. And then I start to get burdened. And then I start to get tempted by the things of the old patterns. I start to think, well, the new pattern is a heavy load to carry. Maybe the old pattern wasn't as heavy as I remember it used to be. And then we start to move back. Maybe you're, can you relate to this at all? Because this is, this is how it works in my life. I, I, I feel these things and I start to move back towards isolation. I start to move back towards striving on my own. I become more vulnerable to the temptations of this world, to these old patterns that at one point in my life I said, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And yet in the moments of stress, I'm turning back. That's why when we get to Galatians chapter 6, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul continues to talk about this, to reveal God's design in the midst of it that we're not meant to carry these burdens on our own. In Galatians 6 chapter 1, Paul says, brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in sin, 
If somebody's off track, if, if somebody has turned back to old patterns, if somebody is struggling with these things, brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in sin, you who also live by the Spirit, just like they do, should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. You see, there's others in this world who live by the Spirit. We know that. It's not just us. We're not just on our own. There's other followers of Christ. There's, there's people in the church who also live by the Spirit, and they're used by God. They're used by God to speak into our lives, to come alongside us and to gently and lovingly encourage us as brothers and sisters in Christ to get back on track. And in the context of this community, we have to be careful because we're either going to pull one another towards sin or we're going to pull one another towards God. And the idea of the community of being in the spirit of community is that we'll be pulling one another back towards God, back towards being on track and not allowing either of us to slip into sin. And Paul continues in verse 2. He says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now what is a burden? I've talked about that a few times already this morning. What is a burden? Well, a burden simply can be defined as a load that is too heavy for you to carry on your own. Now, I can't specifically and explicitly describe what a burden is for you in your life because each of us is unique in that regard, but each of us knows that feeling. All of us know what it feels like to have a load that is too heavy for us to carry on our own. And whether that be the weight of temptation, whether it be the weight of a crisis we're enduring, whether we're facing a challenge in health, in relationship, socially, whatever it may be, if it is a weight that is too heavy to carry on our own, it is a burden. And we don't have to go through them alone. In fact, we're commanded to not go through them alone. As we see in this verse, and it, Paul references here the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It's this rhythm of communities we're talking about. The law of Christ is to love God, to, to walk faithfully with your Lord, and to love others. And one of the ways that we love others is to help carry their burdens and to gently restore them. Verse 3. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Paul knows immediately, as soon as he presents verses 1 and 2, that there's going to be some who go, yeah, but I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I've done pretty well on my own, this Lone Ranger mentality. I've done pretty well, and Paul jumps right at it in verse 3. No, <laughs> there are some who think they can handle it themselves. They believe that even they're expected to handle it themselves. But they're not. This is especially challenging for guys, and not exclusively, but, but especially challenging for guys. It's, it's one of the lies that society tells men in particular, is that you have to be in control, is that you have to make sure you don't look weak. And what's the result of that? The result is we end up with, with people in general, men in particular, who just dig in. They just dig in, and I'll just deal with it myself. They just grin and bear it. They just kind of white-knuckle it through life. And they hurt themselves in the process. They isolate themselves and they tire and fatigue their spirits in the process. Remember that model from back in the 80s? Never let them see a sweat. <laughs> it was a Gillette dry idea deodorant commercial that came back in 1984. Never let them see a sweat. And then they've got athletes and celebrities and all sorts of people going through all these stressful, difficult moments with the tagline, never let them see a sweat. It sells a lot of deodorant, but, you know, things like that are contrary to, to a healthy society because the message behind that is just bear down. Just find a way. 
Don't let anyone see you struggle because if they do, they're going to think less of you and they might even hold it against you. But what does Paul call this in verse 3? In verse 3, he calls it deception. He calls it a lie. Because the truth is, is that nobody is all good all the time. And nobody has to be all good all the time. In fact, we can push it a step further and say that God even designed life to include burdens that were too big for you to carry on your own. Why? Because he wants you to reach out to your community, to be in a rhythm of community with others. And so, if you're like me and can relate to that, look at verse 4. That says, each of, you, each of you should test your own actions. Then you can take pride in yourself. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. What's that talking about? It's talking about the fact that these other people in our lives are here to help. They're not here to compete with us. You see, when we see other people being able to bear heavy loads and burdens, we think sometimes that we have to do the same. You know, I was at the gym this week, and I saw, <laughs> I saw a guy deadlifting well over 500 pounds. And I looked at it, and I'm like, I want to I deadlift 500 pounds. I want to do that. But I know I can't. I know I'm going to hurt myself <laughs> if I do that. I, I'd be up here in a wheelchair right now because my back would be all messed up if I tried to deadlift 500 pounds. Does that mean that I am weak? No. Well, Andrew says yes. I heard that, Andrew. <laughs> Does that mean I'm weak? No. Because I'm getting actually pretty close to five. I can't do it yet, but I'm, I'm over 400. I, I know I can do a lot of weight. I know I can do more than others. Does that mean that others are weak? No. That's not what that means. That's not the lesson behind this. The lesson in this verse, the message that we see here is that we're not competing against others. We're competing against our old selves. We're not competing against what other people in the spirit can do. We're not even competing against, you know, what we did yesterday. We're competing in particular against what our old selves could do. Because since coming to Christ and walking with Christ, we still have a load we need to bury. There's still a yoke that we bear, but it's not a burdensome yoke. It's a yoke that we carry with Christ that allows us to get stronger. And the longer we walk with him, the stronger we get. That's why it says in verse 5, each of you should carry your own load. That's how Paul ends this passage. Each of you should carry your own load. You can't just hand the load off to the church and then step back and say, let me know when you guys solve it and I'll come by and enjoy the celebration with you. No, each of us needs to carry our own load. But we also need to have the humility to know our limits when we ask for help. We also need to know the difference between a burden and a load. And what's the difference? A burden is something too big for you to carry yourself. Something that God has given you to draw you into the rhythm of community with other people. What is a load? A load is your part of the solution. Something you still carry in community with others that God uses to make you and others stronger. We carry our loads together in the solution of the burdens that we have. Does that make sense? Because the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. We were created for these rhythms of community that provide us with rest, with strength, with a sense of belonging. And it begins with our community with Christ. And by extension of that, it leads us into our community with others. Now, I read a story this week that I thought, uh, you know, the, the, about a teacher named uh, Kyle Schwartz. And she probably did not have Paul's words in mind when she did this, but I thought it just beautifully exemplified kind of what Paul's trying to get at here. 
And see, Kyle wanted to teach her class, her grade three class, about community. And it came from a desire where she wanted to know her students better. She wanted to understand their daily lives, to know what they were wrestling with. And so she gave them a very simple assignment, a, a one-question basic instruction assignment. She said, I just, class, I just want to finish this sentence. I wish my teacher knew what? I wish my teacher knew. And I want you to finish the sentence. And when she collected the answers from the children, some of them came back with things that said, I want my teacher to know that I don't have pencils at home to do my homework. I want my teacher to know that I miss my dad because he was deported to Mexico when I was three. I want my dog is not signed because mom's not around a lot. And she read through all these answers that they came back in, and, and she gave the children a choice. She says, if you want to remain anonymous and not put your name on, that's fine, or you can put your name on if you want to. But not only did most of the children want to write their name on there, but they were even anxious to get up in front of the class and read their answers. And after one eight-year-old, remember these are grade three students, an eight-year-old girl got up in front of her class and said, I wish my teacher knew that I don't have any friends to play with at recess. A choir of voices from the, car, from, the, from the classroom said, you can play with me. And the next day as the teacher walked into the classroom, at the end of recess, she looked and there was a group of girls who were all playing together. That started with that assignment in class. You see, by the teacher asking the question and the students being open to share, something beautiful happened. Not only was the teacher better able to know her students and, and, and what they were carrying with them each day, but she was then able to help them and even advocate for them in some ways that only a teacher would be able to do. But in addition to that, the students were, were, were encouraged and, and just naturally rallied alongside each other to care for each other and to support one another. You see, Jesus invites us to this rhythm of community with him. He says, come to me, learn from me, and you'll find rest. He, he does so as the teacher. The teacher who wants to know you, he wants to know what you're burdened by, and to help you journey through life with that, to resource you in ways that only he can. Because only Jesus can help us look at our burdens that we have and advocate for us before the Father. Only Jesus can bring us into, into relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit to be with us every day. Only Jesus can teach us how to walk these rhythms of life according to the way that we've been designed. And one of those rhythms is he leads us into community with others where we find others who can come alongside and encourage, support, bring clarity, correction, and accountability to our lives. See, this pandemic has been challenging, hasn't it, in our ability to have community, especially community like this. But this is why here at West Meadows we have worked so hard and I'm so thankful for the staff and the board and our volunteers over the last two years and how hard we have worked to, to make sure that we maintain a safe environment for everybody, but at the same time striving to go the extra mile to maintain opportunities for community. In every single ministry and every single worship opportunity, community remains to be at the core of it all. And Why? Because we're on mission to invite people into community, to invite people to experience new life with Jesus by coming into community with him. 
And not just in the first time moment of confession where we realize the love of Christ and accept it into our lives for the first time. That is a beautiful thing where that begins, but that's not a rhythm. That's a beat. A rhythm has to continue on a daily walk. And we're not just inviting people to come experience Christ one time or the first time, but it relies a rhythm where every day we wake up with an opportunity to experience more the new life that Christ has in community with him. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by making sure that we have a group format on all ways that we minister. So there's time to spend in community with God, but also time to spend in community with others. And a youth group on Wednesdays, for example, is a prime example of this. When, when Andrew runs a youth group on Wednesdays, it starts off with a time of, of just connecting. But then they move into a time of teaching where they learn more about Jesus. And they, and they have this time of, of fellowshipping and communing with Christ. And then they break up into small groups where they, they get a little more specific and they have time to apply and they have time to share from their lives with others. What does that look like? How, how does that feel? How do I apply that? What am I wrestling with? What am I struggling with? And so they have the time in community with Christ and then they have time in community with one another. You know, and that's just, it's a beautiful model that happens on Wednesdays, but it happens in all of our groups, whether it's a, an adult life group or, or a teaching group like Foundations that we talked about today, a, a group like Alpha. This is the same model that we try to apply to all of these because we believe in this model of community. What happens in adults, it looks just like it does at youth group. It's just a lot less body order and, and a lot less high school drama, right? So you have to worry about that. <laughs> We're free of those things. Freedom in Christ, yay. We don't have those things at the adult versions. <laughs> but, you know, some of these groups have had to move online. And, and I know, that's harder. It's not the same by any means. Nothing compares to being in person. But it's still a legitimate form of community that we're having to learn to work with. And West Meadows at Home is proof of that. As our on-site attendance continues to increase, as we get closer, hopefully, to a point of, of safe community here, we don't see a decline in the online ministry. We see a continuing increase in the online community as well at the same time. West Meadows at Home proves that online is legitimate community, but it is different than in-person. And so if you're joining us online, I want you to invite you to come and join us in person when it is ready and when it is safe for you to do so. Because there's, no, there's no, uh, nothing better than being in person here. And that's what we read about in the final verse I want to look at today. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Where the author of Hebrews says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. See, so the background to this verse goes back to Acts chapter 2, where the first church begins. And if you read Acts 2, uh, Acts 2.42, you'll talk about how all the believers were together. They were all together. They had everything in common. They were, they were serving each other. They were meeting daily. They had this incredible community with others that was daily and regular and powerful. And they, and they were all being taught and they were all worshiping and they were breaking bread and doing communion together. So they had this beautiful community with each other, this beautiful community with Jesus. And it's this truly active community, rhythms of community. It's like this daily utopia of church that begins in Acts 2.24. But then time goes on, burdens start to build, persecution increases, some believers in the church get a little more, little more confident, a little more mature, and start thinking, I can, I can do this on my own, just kind of me and Jesus, I don't need others, just me and Jesus. And it's only a matter of years until Hebrews is written. 
And you get to the book of Hebrews, and the author of Hebrews is now begging people. He's now pleading with them, don't stop meeting. Stay in community as we did at the beginning. Don't allow the burdens. Don't allow the persecution. Don't allow the stress. Don't allow the deception that you think you're strong enough and mature enough to do it on your own. Don't allow those things to stop us from meeting. Don't allow them to stop us from being in community. And whether it be online or in person, I I just want to invite you today. I want to ask you today to help us keep the rhythm of community here at West Meadows active and vibrant and safe. And consider how you could get into community. Because the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. We were created for these rhythms of community that provide rest, strength, and encouragement for us. And so as we conclude today, for those of you who may be feeling weary and burdened, but you don't have that relationship with Christ, hear his invitation to you. As he says, come to me. Come. And I will give you rest. True rest for your soul. And the rest that only he can provide Because only he is the true son of God sent to pay the price for your sin and for mine upon the cross. He is the only one who can pay that price and then invite us to come and to receive the forgiveness. To no longer be identified with the burden of the yoke of the past. Sin, shame, and guilt. But instead by receiving his forgiveness that he made possible to receive his yoke which is not burdensome. Because we walk with him in the spirit free of shame. Free of guilt. Free of sin. And instead identified by victory, freedom, in Christ. And by saying yes to Christ, we can start living that rhythm with him. And not just in a one-time moment, but start walking in the spirit every day going forward. There's others here. You know that you are in Christ, but you're just kind of white-knuckling it. You're holding on so tight. Trying to do it on your own. Hear me say this, you don't have to. You are not created to. We are all designed for community. Now your definition and level of community may be different than the person sitting next to you, but everybody needs somebody. Let West Meadows be your somebody. And if you hear that word that the assignment the teacher gave of, I wish my teacher knew, and I encourage you to replace that with, I wish my pastor knew. And there's something that comes to mind. Come talk to us. We want to know what burdens you carry. We want to come alongside you to pray for you, to support you, to encourage you, to walk with you for a while. To help you find a group where you can find your people and you can grow in your rhythms of community with Jesus and with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the one who invites us to come to him. Lord, I pray if there are those here on site with us or those who are online that do not have a relationship with Christ, but hear that invitation specifically to them today. I pray that in this moment that they would just acknowledge the presence of Christ, the love of Christ, and their need of Jesus. And just confess and pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for my burdens for my bad choices. Thank you that I can bring those to the cross and place them there and no longer be defined by those things but be defined by Jesus' forgiveness and freedom. 
you gave your life for me. I now give you mine. And Lord, for those who are here who have that relationship with Christ and yet are not in relationship with one another, feeling like we need to carry these burdens ourselves, I pray, Lord, that, that we would feel a sense of desire and courage to know who that person is that we could step out and share our burdens with. That we would truly fulfill the law of Christ to love God and love one another. I pray this all in Jesus' name.